This evening's reading is from Mark chapter 15, verse 40, to chapter 16, verse 8. There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James the Younger, and of Joses, and Salom. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Amarathia, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph bought a linen shroud, and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud, and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell the disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amazing. Thank you, Caitlin, very much. Do keep uh, Mark 15 and 16 open in front of you. Uh, And let's pray as we come to God's word together. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So please, would your Holy Spirit show us more of the risen Jesus. In his name, amen. Um, Until last Monday, I had never heard of Basil Brown. Um, He's the self-taught archaeologist excavator um, who tackled the large uh, Anglo-Saxon burial mounds in Sutton Hoo. Um, Thank you Netflix for teaching me about that. Um, It wasn't until 20 years ago that I heard about Easy Company. Uh, Major Dick Winters, Donald Malarkey, Shifty Powers of the 101st Airborne Division. Um, It wasn't until 2006 that I found out about the Spartan king, Leonidas, and his 300 men. Um, Yes, I didn't pay much attention to history in school, but TV has served me very well. Um, But but on a whole, biographies, they kind of follow the same sort of pattern. And they generally start with someone's birth and childhood. Uh, They spend most of their time kind of on the famous and most important aspects of that person's life, generally as an adult and then they die. There's generally not much to write about after someone has died. 
Now, the biographies of Jesus are similar and different. Um, Only two of the four Gospels, uh, the biographies of Jesus, start with the birth and childhood. Uh, Mark's Gospel, where we're here this evening, it doesn't start off with Jesus, the childhood years. Uh, Mark gets straight to it. Mark 1, verse 1, takes us straight news to the good news. Uh, The good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And all four biographies spend most of their time looking at Jesus' adult public ministry. They all speak of the cross. Uh, Over the course of this weekend, we've reflected, we've celebrated that the death of Jesus is the way that God has rescued rebels, sinners. And at the end of all four biographies, they all declare the same thing. He has risen. And so as we look into this good news about Jesus, the Son of God, that Mark has written down for us, we have to ask, is this reliable? Is it truthful? Or is it just Netflix fanciful? Is it really good news? Or is it like 300, the Spartan film that's not really like actual history? Well, so first up, Mark wants us to know that Jesus really did die. Chapter 15, verse 40 to 47. The Son of God was dead and buried, just as he said. Follow along at verse 40. There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. This final section of Mark's gospel starts with these women looking at the dead, crucified Jesus. They are long-term followers of Jesus. They've helped minister to him, helping with his material needs. But as they look on at that moment, there was absolutely nothing they could do. And Mark, throughout this account, is going to point to these women quite a bit. They are some of the witnesses to the death of Jesus. There's no mention of the male disciples in Mark's gospel. Probably because Mark is trying to point out something new about the Jesus movement. In a strongly male-dominated society, Mark is showing us, the readers, how radical the gospel of Jesus is because it is the women who are the ones who prove to be aware about the truth of Jesus and the supreme worth of following him. Verse 42, And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath. So with sundown and the start of the Jewish rest day, the Sabbath, fast approaching, verse 43, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who himself was looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. See, Mark tells us about Joseph, who's this respected member of the Jewish council. He's the one that goes to Pontius Pilate and asks for permission to bury Jesus. Now, to get to Pilate, uh, you have to have some social standing. But by going to Pilate, that's surely risking some of that respect. The Jewish council that he belonged to, 
they were the ones who had just put Jesus to death. And yet here is Joseph coming to pay his respects to the dead man. It's not just his own respect that he's risking, he's risking his wealth, burying Jesus in the family tomb. It would have been very costly. So why? Why is Joseph doing it? Well, he gives us a hint, verse 43. Did you spot it? Joseph was looking for the kingdom of God. See, this phrase, this looking for the kingdom of God, is, is not particularly surprising. Jews, I think, today still pray in the synagogue, the Kaddish prayer, uh, which is asking for God to send his king and his kingdom. But for Mark, it goes so much deeper. It is a phrase that Mark has used throughout about the mission of Jesus. Chapter 1, verse 15, as an example. Jesus said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. See, anyone in Mark's gospel who is concerned with the kingdom of God is on Jesus' side. So yes, Joseph is a member of the Jewish council, but more than that, he is on team Jesus. And so Mark means it, verse 43, because Joseph says he took courage. He risks the anger of his colleagues in the council. He risks his own name, his own reputation, and goes to Pilate, verse 44. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. See, crucifixion, I guess some of us will know, it took a very long time. It could take several days. So Pilate, surprised, wants to check that this is true. So he calls in the Roman centurion. Uh, this is the guy that had been in charge of the execution and exclaimed in verse 39 of chapter 15, truly, this man was the son of God. It's the centurion who was there executing Jesus who confirms to Pilate that Jesus was truly dead. And then at that point, Pilate says, you can take the body. Now, maybe you're a bit of a skeptic. Maybe you're unsure about who Jesus is. And maybe you think, I don't think he died. Um, maybe you're a fan of the swoon or substitution theory. But it's worth pointing out the evidence, the truth of this gospel. The professional army man, the killing machine, who tells Pilate that Jesus really was dead. And that's one of the big take-homes from verse 40 to 47. Jesus, the Son of God, was really dead. That word for body in verse 43 is the word corpse. Verse 45, Pilate learned that he was already dead. He granted the corpse. See, there's no real room for wiggling out of this truth. Jesus really was dead. Yes, Joseph was sure. Why else would he ask for a body? Yes, the Roman centurion was sure. He saw Jesus die with his own eyes. Yes, Pilate was sure. He checked the evidence. He checked with the centurion and he believed. But more than that, you and I can thank God that Jesus was really dead. 
because it is just as Jesus has said. Um, on Wednesday evening, uh, during our youth group Zoom session after the live stream, we, we read these words from Jesus found in Mark chapter 8. We've already heard them this evening. The Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed. The good news, the good news mission of Jesus meant that he had come to suffer and to die. For my sin and my rebellion, my unclean, defiled, disgusting heart, here is God's good news mission. King Jesus, the one who died, who took God's judgment upon himself for my sin. Jesus himself says in Mark's gospel, the son of man, this great kingly title, came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so, verse 46, Joseph bought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in the tomb that he'd been cut from the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Jesus' body, corpse, was put in the tomb. It was sealed shut by a large stone at the entrance. And the women, verse 47, two of the women are there watching as he died and as he was buried. Um, a few years ago, I also heard about a man called Nabil. Um, I'm cu currently reading his biography um, at the moment. Uh, Nabil is a, was a Pakistani-American uh, he grew up a devout Muslim. And then in his freshman year at college, uh, Nabil met a man called David. They became best friends. They would argue quite a lot, being guys and you know, best friends. But mostly they would argue about religion. Uh, David, a, a Christian. Nabil, a, uh, a Muslim. And they were arguing about the truth of the Bible. And one day, David pulled Nabil aside and said, Nabil, if Christianity were true, and it meant that you had to give up everything to follow God, would you want to know the truth? See, the book is all about how Nabil came to trust this good news of Jesus for himself. He was offered the truth. He researched it. He found it out. And he found it to be fully reliable. He found Jesus to be fully reliable. I wonder what verdict you've made on Jesus. Because the evidence, the truth is that Jesus really was the Son of God. He was dead. He was buried. And it was just as he said. And wonderfully, joyfully, amazingly, chapter 16, verse 1 to 8. The Son of God has risen, just as he said. The Son of God has risen, just as he said. Verse 1, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, who will roll the stone away for us from the entrance of the tomb? So the women, they head back to the tomb early on Sunday morning. 
And Mark's already pointed out, verse 41, that the women have been with Jesus since Galilee. So it means that they, at least one of the three times that Jesus promised that he was going to be the one to suffer, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again, well, Mark is holding them out as key faithful witnesses. But even they don't go to the tomb expecting it to be true. They go with burial spices. I think we can assume that Joseph and the team were in such a rush on Good Friday to bury Jesus before the Sabbath. They kind of skipped some, skipped some steps. And so the women go early on the Sunday to finish the job, wondering who can move the stone for us. And so when they turn up, we've got to understand the shock, right? Unlike any other biography um, in, in the Gospels, Mark doesn't write down for us an actual resurrection appearance. See, he wants us to work this out for ourselves. Have a look down at chapter 16, verse 4. Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back, and it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. If the women couldn't move the stone on their own, there's no way this young man could roll the stone away on his own. Unless, of course, we're following what Mark is trying to say, the suspense of who this young man is. If he's the one who moved the stone, then he can't be like any engager I've ever met who is weak. And notice how the women saw a young man sitting, pointing us to someone who sits in authority, someone who knows something and should be listened to. And he's dressed in white, literally gleaming, whiter than white. He has passed the Daz doorstep challenge. And it's more than that. It's a shining, formal, festive wear. See, Mark doesn't want us to miss out on this supernatural moment because this young man was a messenger from God. And what a message. Have a look down. Chapter 16, verse 6. He said to them, do not be alarmed. Bit of a joker. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. This is so good. He was crucified. He has risen. And he is going to Galilee just as he told you. How can this be anything but reliable good news? See, everyone who lives will one day die. It's the one thing that you and I can be absolutely sure about. We don't know when, but we all will. But Jesus has beaten death. He did not stay dead. How can he not be the Son of God? And so the women were told to go, verse 7, tell Jesus' disciples and Peter. This is how amazing these words are, would have been for Mark. 
and for Peter, who helped Mark write this gospel account down. Peter, this lead disciple who had denied and failed Jesus. He is to be told of this good news, this resurrection. Mark wants us to see that all that happened to that man 2,000 years ago is just as Jesus had said. Even Peter's failings and the male disciples' failings. Mark 14. Jesus said to them, You will fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. It is just as Jesus had said. And Peter was the best of the disciples and he had failed. But Jesus is the friend who forgives. It's just this tiny little hint that Mark gives us of the restoration that only Jesus can offer Peter. And it's on offer, amazingly, to sinners like you and me. But that isn't where Mark ends it. I mean, you can ignore verse 9 to 20. I mean, it's all just too bonkers to be Mark's original text. So it's probably added in later on. Mark ends it with verse 8. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. I mean, the Christian message, this good news message, is entrusted to a group of demoralized, terrified women. That is how Mark leaves his gospel account. He's leaving it open to you, the reader, to work out what you're going to do with Jesus. I mean, throughout this biography, when Jesus does epic things, the disciples are left in fear and amazement. Healing of the paralyzed man, calming of the storm, uh, removing demons. Fear and amazement is the response. Jesus, God's son, has triumphed over sin and death. The cross and the resurrection is the great miracle that proves that Jesus is God's son, his good, God's good news. In um, September 2017, uh, in my book of Nabil, um, after a year-long battle with stomach cancer, Nabil died at the age of 34. Nabil's wife writes at the end of the book, Nabil was welcomed home to heaven for all eternity. The good news message, God's good news message of Jesus Christ is true and it is powerful. So what else could you and I do than to follow the example of the women in Mark's gospel? To follow the example of Joseph, of Arimathea, of Nabil and for Christians alike throughout the world. To follow Christ as our Lord and Saviour.